Whether you operate one forklift or thousands, one location or hundreds, the new My Toyota customer portal can help you optimize your operation and material handling equipment. This one-stop, free-to-use platform is designed to help you take control of your information and make smarter decisions, all at the touch of a button. Register and access your data today at my.toyotaforklift.com. That's my.toyotaforklift.com. The New Warehouse Podcast, hosted by Kevin Lawton, is your source for insights and ideas from the distribution, transportation, and logistics industry. A new episode every Monday morning brings you the latest from industry experts and thought leaders. And now, here's Kevin. Hey, it's Kevin Lawton with the New Warehouse Podcast, bringing you a new episode today. And on today's episode, I am going to be joined by Josh Owen. He is the co-founder and CEO at Cycle Labs. And we're going to talk a little bit about Cycle Labs, his journey to come to, to found this company as a co-founder, and talk a little bit about the testing side of things in supply chain, which I think is uh, very important, sometimes overlooked, unfortunately. But Josh is going to tell us a little bit about how Cycle Labs is helping with the testing and automation testing as well. So, Josh, welcome to the show. How are you? Kevin, I'm fantastic. Thank you for having me. Really excited to be here and I appreciate an opportunity to share a little bit about the Cycle Labs story and uh, so is that the divot we're trying to make in the supply chain space. Definitely. Okay. I like it. A divot. I like that. That's something. Uh, so definitely, uh, and divot, I would say bigger than a dent, right? So definitely a larger impact there than yeah, typically right. people would say. <laughs> so I like that. So tell us a little bit about kind of your, your background and kind of how you ended up in the, the supply chain space and then ultimately coming to be a co-founder and, and found this company, Cycle Labs. Yeah, no, absolutely. So I, I don't, I don't know that I would call myself a supply chain professional per se, but I will mm-hmm. say that I spent nearly 20 years working in supply chain mm-hmm. as a space and as, as a vertical. And so my first job out of college was with a company that was called Red Prairie. Yeah. You may now know them as Blue Yonder, um, but they were Red Prairie when I worked there. And, and my first job was on their implementations team. And so in the first essentially three or so years of my career uh, implementing Blue Yonder WMS, and then around 2009 or so, a handful of years later, I founded a consulting firm and spent about 15 years or so um, implementing enterprise execution systems. So primarily WMS, but also labor and transportation. And so mm. I spent a, a big part of my career implementing the execution systems that sort of surprise, uh, comprised that part of the supply chain industry. Mm. All right. Interesting. And and so, you know, you had your own consulting business there, so you're kind of already doing your, your own thing in a, in a sense, right? So so how did you end up kind of coming up with this idea for, for Cycle Labs and what, what kind of problem were you seeing that you felt compelled to go out there and try and, and solve? Yeah. So I think, you know, anyone who's ever been a part of an implementation team, so whether you're on the OEM side, an SI, or working for a customer, you know that, you know, taking uh, something as complicated as a warehouse management system and putting it into production, and oftentimes, you know, you call that sort of final event a, a go live. Anyone who's been through that project and then seen it through to go live 
understands that those can be trying times, right? Uh, these are yes, big complicated yeah. systems. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I've been through a couple uh implementations myself and uh definitely <laughs> trying times on some of them. So, yeah. Yeah, right. I, th- I think, you know, I think any, any enterprise software deployment is complex, but I think execution systems have a, another layer of complexity to them because execution systems are orchestrating the, the movement of goods, right? So mm-hmm. there's a physicality to them. There are humans who are walking around on the floor who are sort of exercising the processes that we've codified into these systems. And there are these days robotics, right? And, and, and material handling equipment and all these things that are driven by the process decisions that we make. And so, when you are upgrading these systems or when you're going live for the first time, there's just a lot of complexity, right? And no matter how hard you try, there's oftentimes just things that go missed, right? Mm. And so I think we tried to do that exceptionally well and, and exceeded in doing so for a long time in my former company, but we'd still end up in these situations where we would have these really, really sort of trying go lives. And so when we kind of asked ourselves, well, how do we keep ending up in this situation? Why is this so painful? Is there something we can do about it? I think what what we ultimately um, came up with was this idea that says, hey, listen, I think if we step back, things seem to fall apart a little bit when it just comes to testing. Because when you think of sort of about the traditional project flow, like a project life cycle, often testing and training is left to the end. And rightfully so, because you, if it hasn't been built, you can't mm-hmm. test it in a traditional sense. But, you know, you know, you would also say that when, when timelines and budgets are running short, the, the only thing that can be cut or shortcut or skipped are the things that haven't been done yet. And so all too often, that's those things that are left on the tail end of a project, like testing and training. But those are probably also two of the most pivotal things to have a successful go live. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I've certainly, like I said, I've been a part of a couple of implementations and, and go lives and things. And, and I've certainly seen cases where there's certain parts where that go live date is trying to be met. And, uh, like you said, testing, <laughs> testing and training is probably the most important part at the end of the day. Uh, but then that ultimately a lot of times ends up being the time that gets crunched or, or cut off a little bit because it's at kind of at the end of that process. So, so I, I mean, so you, you obviously recognize that, that that is a potential issue or is an issue that's often occurring in, in some implementations and go lives. And a lot of times hinders the success, I think, too, of, of that go live initially. I mean, I remember specifically, honestly, we did a, a go live with a new ERP system and the training was very remote and, and kind of sporadic trying to understand what was going on there. And, you know, at the same time, like there was not necessarily enough dedicated training time, I think, for employees. And, you know, we ran into a situation where the day of go live, I mean, it came in and I mean, there was someone, uh, someone was crying actually because they felt so unprepared to use the new system. They had like really no idea what was going on. And, you know, it was because they were, trying to balance all their other priorities and on the side, try to get a little training in here and there. And it wasn't, you know, structured in a way I think that was, was conducive. And, you know, you have a lot of resistance too, as well, when you don't kind of build that up and ensure that's there. And it's the whole kind of change management aspect too, of of getting things um, going that way. And then obviously from the testing side, you know, if you're not testing and things are not 
working properly out of the gate, you know, you already have like people saying like, oh, this new system is trash or, you know, <laughs> like it's, uh, it doesn't work right. And why do we do this? And, you know, it was working fine and all these things. Right. And, and so you kind of meet that, that resistance of the people and, you know, it hurts the efforts a little bit. So, so now you recognize this and so you've created this, this cycle lab. So, so what does cycle labs actually do? That's a great question. So I think, you know, what, what I like to say is that we are selling our customers their freedom back. And what, mm-hmm. what, what in the world do I mean by that? Well, yeah. we it, we actually give them the ability to focus on the things that improve those those projects and 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 sort of you know solve some of those challenges by by giving them their, their time back. Right. So like mm-hmm. if they are spending all their time wringing their hands and testing and, and retesting things and things like that manually, then what we're able to do is come in and automate a lot of that. And say, hey, the, the time that you were sort of subjected to, you know, putting your super users, pulling them off the floor, putting them in this room to run through the same testing scenarios over and over and over again, um, we can automate that, right? So we, we, we want their input once, right? We, we want the valuable, incredibly valuable, I would say, um, guidance of a UAT session. But once you've got your professionals, or the people who are going to be living and dying in this system who are running their business processes with this, once, once they've given it, you know, their thumbs up. We say, yeah, that, that does what it's supposed to do. Then with cycle, they don't need to do it again. Right. We can automate that, that validation for them and we can now focus them on the next important thing. And so this is where the value sort of builds on itself because once you've automated, it's there in perpetuity for you. And so um, whether it's the change that you're making the next day or some future change, you can always go back and validate that that previous process is continuing to do what was it, what it was intended to do. And so you can now focus that person's time on something more meaningful. It's either the next change or getting them back out on the floor or, or whatever the case may be. And so if you sort of operationalize that over the course of time, then what we actually put our clients in the position to do is to introduce these changes into their systems more regularly. Because what we have found when we look at sort of the, the WMS space, that the average upgrade was somewhere between five and seven years, sometimes longer. Mm-hmm. And when you ask yourself and you talk to your customers about why that is, you get answers that are like, well, you know, the system, it, it does the job. It gets the job done. So we just haven't yeah. had the motivation to do it, which I think sometimes is true. But more often than not, what they mean when they say that is it's far too painful and expensive and the value is not there to make these changes. And so we just continue to work with this system. And I'm like, okay, so it gets the job done if the job to be done hasn't changed. Mm-hmm. But in the past 20 or 30 years, it has, right? I mean, oh, yeah. <laughs> with the COVID stuff, with the with you know direct to consumers, with with user expectations, with next day delivery, with yeah the ability for us to, consumers just want to, be able to return everything, vendor change changes on a dime, right? The the need to change these systems more often is very evident, and so I think we give our clients an answer to that challenge, and I think when when we do that successfully, I think we actually kind of help shift that that culture of yeah. Change avoidance, the idea of like, mm-hmm. oh, we're gonna just going to continue to use this legacy system because it gets the job done. And we sort of then give them this freedom to say, well, we don't have to be worried about making changes anymore. So now we get the, the ability to experiment, right, to, to, to innovate, to introduce change more regularly, become more competitive, um, reduce our time to value and, and, and maybe win against our competition. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great thing. And I, I think it is like, like you said, even though, you know, they've convinced themselves that oh, nothing's broken, like, you know, why, why not touch anything? It's really kind of like an underlying fear in a sense, right? That like, mm, you know, if I like take the bubble gum out of this thing that's holding it together, is it all going to fall apart? Right. And, and I think, right. you know, part of it is that total 
whole um, implementation process and everything. And, and the testing, I, I think the fact that you guys have been able to to automate it in that way, I think makes so much sense. So, so I mean, if I'm understanding correctly, let me get some, some clarification here. So it's basically the first test run user goes through if, if they accept that it's good then Cycle Labs basically can can just run that same test without a user in the future when future changes are made. Is that, that correct? Yeah, that's right. And so that, that that's one of our primary use cases. We mm-hmm. sort of call that de- a deployment test, right? It's, it's this idea of like a real-time regression. That is, while we're still in the act of taking this thing live, we can get signed off on something and then run it as a regression test going forward as part of that deployment cycle. Mm-hmm. Once you're live, you now got this suite that can run regularly, right? And you think about introducing change into these systems and maybe we're thinking about just upgrading the WMS, but truly the WMS is a part of a much larger complicated system, right? You've got your transportation management, your order management system, your ERP, your host system, whatever the case may be. And all of those systems are changing all of the time. Mm-hmm. And so if the upstream system changes, that means theoretically there's a change to the input to your WMS. You probably want to run some of those tests again, or maybe the operating system needs to be upgraded or you want to apply a security patch. The truth is these systems are complicated enough that almost all of these regular changes warrant a regression test mm-hmm. to in- ensure that you're not introducing some adverse effect. And these these systems that you know are, are managing your, your mission-critical business processes. And so once you've developed these artifacts, we would say you should continue to use them, right, for those purposes because you're always changing these systems. And mm. Interesting, interesting. And so the, the automation, I mean, how does the automation actually work? I mean, are you utilizing um, like AI or something to, to be able to do these automated tests? I mean, how, how does that kind of work or, or is that a secret sauce you can't share? Uh, yeah, well, I think I think I think I can, I can definitely talk about our, our approach. Right. And mm-hmm. so let me let me also be clear, too. Right. That this is like not some commentary on the software OEMs quality, right? Mm-hmm. When you think about the builders of these systems, they're big enterprise companies. They're successful for a reason. We know that they are building products that do what the product is intended to do. Mm-hmm. But the question is, does that, that product continue to do what it was supposed to do in that more complex customer ecosystem with the customer's data, with the customer's configurations, with the customer's integrations, and potentially even modifications? It is now you know, a small piece of a much larger, complicated system. And so it's that larger system that I think we would say goes often under tested. And so our platform needs to span all of those technologies. So when you think about like, what's our secret sauce, it's really the fact that our platform is designed to test at that larger, complicated scale. It's not, it's not mm-hmm. attuned to a particular technology. It's attuned to testing in business processes. And oftentimes that means uh, spanning technologies and often applications themselves that are even provided by different vendors. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a particular process, say receiving might span, Lots of different technologies, right? You've got, yeah. you know, let's, let's say a purchase order that's coming in. Maybe it's an EDI. Maybe it's an API. That's going to come into the system somehow. And then someone's going to check that in maybe against a, a truck. And, and maybe that's done on a native app application, a desktop somewhere. Maybe it's a web app. Hmm. And then probably somebody's going to drive onto that truck and, and pick up a pallet and take it off. And maybe that's a VT220 terminal or maybe it's a mobile web app. And so Cycle needs to be able to jump from from UI to UI, from technology to technology, and ensure that all of those things are working cohesively. And so our platform spans those technologies in, in, in a uniform fashion and in a common vernacular where the tests are actually written in natural language. So if you were to step back and, and look at a cycle test, it, it reads like a standard operating procedure because, mm-hmm. you know, rewind all the way back to the beginning of our conversation, right? We talked about these go lives and where things go sideways. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's just bad 
you're right, bad, bad technical decision making. Mm-hmm. But all too often, it's just bad communication. Right? You said we need to do whole pallet receiving, and I said we can do whole pallet receiving, and then we go live and realize there's all this nuance that we didn't talk about. So we found that you know, sort of like documenting that conversation as if it was a, a standard operating procedure sort of helps us suss out these details, find that nuance, establish a better communication and collaboration up front. And therefore, you sort of produce this test automation artifact as a byproduct of that better process. Right? You can then hand that to someone who's going to go make the system satisfy that need. And now you've got that, that automation artifact. And so I think it's that approach combined with our applicability to all these technologies and applications that really puts us in the best position to solve this challenge. Hmm. Really interesting. And, and I love that, you know, it, like you said, it can go across multiple different technologies and, and understand like when it needs to switch, because oftentimes, like you said, I mean, there are scenarios where, you know, there's different interfaces in, in play within one, just one process flow. So it's great that it's able to do that. And, and I guess in that sense too, I mean, cause you know, you said your background is with Red Perry, Blue, Blue Yonder. I mean, uh, Cycle Labs is agnostic in, in that sense for, for any systems, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and truly, you kind of you have to be technology agnostic even yes. to test a Blue Yonder WMS effectively, right? Because mm-hmm. there's multiple versions of the Blue Yonder WMS. The Blue Yonder WMS is comprised of any number of technologies, and that's everything from, you know, SQL to C Sharp to the mm-hmm. most modern web ac- applications and older versions that are still running the BT220 terminal. So like, even within that application, there's lots of different technologies that we have to interact with. Um, and that's not even taking into the fact that most of the time WMS does not act alone. Mm. Right. Usually there is a maybe there's a parcel manifesting system that you're connected to or an MHE interface or whatever the case may be. So uh, just to test the WMS, right, you're going to need to be able to dance across multiple technologies. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense to, to have that flexibility and, and be able to to do that and not tied down by, by one technology, right? Uh, especially as we see so many more technologies and uh, systems and interfaces coming into play. I mean, uh, I think we're, <laughs> I think our industry is like overloaded with acronyms, honestly, but uh, <laughs> so many systems. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. yeah. But um, so. Uh, so I'm curious, like, what have you seen from, like, as you put Cycle Labs in place with the customers that you have? I mean, what are they seeing as a significant benefit or, or change to them? I, I mean, are you, you seeing, like, where uh, customers on the fence of one, whether they wanted to either upgrade or implement a, a new system and, and Cycle Labs just kind of push them uh, to, to go forward? Or, I mean, what kind of changes do you see from a customer perspective? We'll be back after a quick break. You hear a lot about supply chains these days, because if the past couple years have taught us anything, it's that an efficient, well-managed supply chain is absolutely critical to keeping businesses successful and consumers happy. I'm Will Haywood, and I host a podcast called All Business, No Boundaries, where we talk about supply chains, how they work, what happens when they don't, and the innovations that are redefining what's possible in the world of logistics. Join me for insightful interviews with thought leaders and industry experts. We discuss how optimizing supply chains can break down the barriers that are holding businesses back. That's All Business, No Boundaries by DHL Supply Chain. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, 100%. I think I think that you know one of the most meaningful changes is that we're getting customers into the position where they can upgrade regularly. Mm-hmm. Right? So we're helping them shift away from this idea of multi-year, you know, gaps in between system upgrades where they can actually then stay up to date on the latest and greatest versions of 
whichever systems they're using to, to power their business, which I think, like I said, go back to the beginning, is, is what helps them, you know, think about the more important things and spend time doing the more important things for their business, like how to grow the business versus wringing their hands over, you know, what might happen if we make these changes. And so we see customers who are adopting those regular change cycles who have more confidence, you know, in competing and and staying up to date on the latest versions and reducing that sort of time to, to value. But I think, you know, probably maybe the most meaningful thing though is we've had customers come to us and say like, I see a world where we're not having to spend our weekends testing anymore. Mm. Right. Cause oftentimes that's what happens, right? Yeah. You have your business users doing it and it's like, okay, well you worked Monday through Friday and now Saturday and Sunday, we need to go run these tests over the weekend or whatever the case may be, where it's kind of like, I know this stuff happens yeah. and it's, it's, just, it's, it's happening at night while I'm sleeping and I, I get up and I get that email report and I'm confident that it's continuing to do what it's supposed to do. And I can deploy my resources, human or otherwise to the highest value and purpose of what, what they're capable of doing. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think that's such a, a great thing too. I mean, uh, I've certainly spent some late nights, weekends testing <laughs> stuff in my career as well. And and when you start to get into that and you start to get into that, you get into like a foggy mindset and, and you know, oftentimes things get, get overlooked in that because, you know, people just get tired and worn out and, and burn out and, you know, start to overlook some things and try to just rush things just to get it done sometimes. But, you know, I think that's a great thing too, to, to be able to add, you know, better, better well-being to the, the employee themselves as well. Right. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, we, I guess I've talked a little bit about the benefits to our clients, but I think you know, we have, we have strong partnerships with, with some OEMs. And I think one of the benefits that we provide to them through our partnership is that, of course, you know, they want to be able to move some of their on-prem legacy customers to their SaaS native, their cloud versions of these things. And so in, in that world, we're helping our partners, right? If we create a partnership with our OEMs or the OEMs in the space is that we're helping their clients establish trust in the upgrade process. So if we can help them have a better experience of adopting the latest and greatest versions, then they're able to move towards those new SaaS versions, which of course the OEMs want because they want their clients using the latest and greatest versions. They want yeah. them on the SaaS version because it helps their valuations. Um, but also it's lowering their maintenance costs, right? Because they don't have to worry about keeping up with these older versions and things like that. And so I think the, the beauty of where we are in our space is that there's, there's, a, there's a lot of value to, to all parties involved. And I think, even when you think about SIs, right? The, the systems integrators themselves, because I was one for a long time mm -hmm. and it can be a very lumpy sort of engagement cycle with any particular customer, especially if they're only upgrading every few years, right? So you, mm -hmm. you, get, a, you get a lot of work from a customer and then you don't hear from them for two or three years because they're not touching anything. And so as an SI, what I always wanted to do was to smooth out that interaction. And so if we can help the customer upgrade regularly and, and have confidence in introducing these changes regularly, and as an SI, I'm, I'm probably engaged more often. And so that sort of very lumpy uh, relationship with my customer becomes much more smooth and predictable over time. I'm not always fighting for the next statement of work, or maybe even puts me in a position to, to create almost like as a service type, managed service offerings with my clients because we're constantly doing work. It's it's uh, faster and and probably even more affordable work. Mm -hmm. But as an SI, it can be higher margin because I have got much so much more confidence that I can do it successfully. Yeah, very interesting. And I, I love that it's touching kind of like the whole ecosphere that we have and, and you know, helping people all around. I mean, uh, really interesting stuff and, and definitely very good fit for, I think, what is a, a pain point for, for a lot of people or not necessarily a pain point, but sometimes something that often gets gets rushed or, or overlooked just because of the, the resources available and the, the time constraints and the 
pressures from from above to hit the go live date right so you know i think it is really smart what you guys have been able to to do and and take that and look at that kind of point there and, and really be able to to help people to kind of accomplish that and, and make sure that the proper testing is is occurring for for every change and also you know get people out of that that fear a little bit of upgrading and or being able to implement new systems um on a more regular cadence just front of fear of you know and not going so well or not having the resources to be able to do that so so really really interesting what you've created with cycle labs and i think super super smart if people are listening right and and they're you know that person that does have like the the fear of of upgrading or something like that i mean what what would be your words of encouragement or, or advice to them on, on how they can, you know, ensure and, and be a little more comfortable, like doing upgrades on a more regular basis, like you're saying. Yeah. I, I mean, I think I'd say that it's not a unique problem, mm-hmm. not to you and not to this space. Everybody who is a part of deploying enterprise software solutions has had to live with this challenge for a long time. And so um, we haven't, we haven't done anything magical here. We just kind of looked and said, where has this problem been solved, right? And we knew that test automation had solved this challenge just when it comes to building that new software from the ground up. And and we said, how can we take how they solve that and apply it to our context? And so A is you're not alone. B is it actually isn't a new problem. It's a problem that's been around for a long time and it has been solved. And so there are people who've been solving this problem with solutions like this for a very long time. And so we're just trying to take it and apply it in our space. And so we've got a, a trail of customers behind us now who've gone through it. We're willing to, to talk to you about what it's like to be on the other side, to, to live in a world where you, you strive for change or where you don't view testing as a cost driver, but rather a value driver um, that helps you accomplish your goals faster. So I think there is a light at the end of the tunnel. You don't have to be scared anymore. Yes. Yes. You're, you're not alone. You're not alone. <laughs> That's <laughs> so, right. <laughs> so very interesting stuff and, and definitely great advice there, Josh. And I think what you've done with Cycle Labs, like I said before, I mean, I think is, is really a, a smart thing and, and makes total sense and, and also allows, you know, people to, to allocate the proper resources and, and have bandwidth still to do what needs to be done fully within that project scope and, and hopefully within the deadline, go live date and, and be able to do it in a smart way. So you don't want to get so much uh, trouble after go live and having issues and and bugs and things like that that need a lot of fixes, right? I mean, that's where the testing comes into play. So so really, really smart stuff from you, Josh, and and really appreciate you coming on and and talking to me here about Cycle Labs and the automated testing. Very, very smart. So uh, if people are interested in learning more about Cycle Labs and overcoming their fears and anxieties of system upgrades, what's the easiest way to get in touch with you guys? Yeah, I mean, the website is, is the best place, right? Psycholabs.io, or you can feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn as well. Or you can email me directly at josh at psycholabs.io.io. We'd love to have the conversation. We'd love to connect with you and talk about, you know, if there's something we can do to help your business move forward. And we appreciate the opportunity to have it, having us on the podcast. Hey, Kevin, it's been a lot of fun. All right. Great. And thank you for coming on. And we'll definitely put all that information at the newwarehouse.com as well. So people can easily find it. So Josh, thank you once again for your time on the show today. You've been listening to the new warehouse podcast with Kevin Lawton. Subscribe and check us out online at the newwarehouse.com.
Thank you for listening to this episode. If you want more content from the new warehouse, check out our new video series called All Hands on LinkedIn. Just search for the new warehouse on LinkedIn and follow along.